Uh, hey everybody, it's Jeremy, and I'm coming to you from a hotel room in Pine Knoll Shores, out here on the beautiful North Carolina coast. And uh, if you are an avid listener to the show, first of all, thank you. And second of all, I'm sorry, we have not put out a new episode of this show in quite a while. And there is a perfectly good reason for that. Uh, we have been just slam-packed with reporting trips and, and projects and all sorts of stuff here at Our State Magazine, and we just have not been able to stop for long enough to get a new one out. And I figured I would just take this time really quickly here to tell you about some of the stuff that we're working on, one of which is an episode about a private island, and it's about a love story about a man and this island, and also uh, he meets his wife on the island, which is just incredible and crazy. So there's that story. Uh, there's also a story that we needed NASA's help to do, to do the reporting on. And uh, there's one more that I've been working on. I've been, I've been kind of wanting to do this for a while. It's a guy who really fell off the radar, and I was able to track him down. And in order to track him down, I had to get on a plane and fly hundreds of miles away to do that. So all of that I'm really excited for. And the reason why I'm here in Pine Knoll Shores is because I'm doing a reporting uh, trip for a story that will be in season four of Away Message. So we're going to have another season after this. Spoiler alert. Should have said that first. But in the meantime, I did want to bring you um, a story that we have, have run before, but it's one of my favorite stories uh, that we've done across the all the seasons of Away Message. It comes from season one, and it's about a, a forgotten cemetery and the quest to keep it from being forgotten and for, for to keep it uh, its memory alive. And and I read recently that one of the women involved, the, the main character in the story, Helen, Helen Cable Vance, uh, is stepping down from this organization that is trying to fight to keep this this uh, this history alive out there in the mountains. And so I figured now would be a good time to to rerun this story from season one, uh, from 2017, from way out near Fontana Lake. And uh, I really, really hope that you, if you have not listened to it, that you will enjoy it. And uh, if you haven't heard it in a while, that you'll you'll like listening to it again. All right. So uh, here is the show. Today. Our journey begins in a place where the road ends. It's Sunday. It's rainy. It's gray. And luckily, it's not a long walk across a gravel parking lot to a pontoon boat that's pulled up to the shore. Watch your step. It's kind of slippery. Yeah, I'll be careful here. I am one of the first people to arrive. Yeah. And everybody else that's already here assures me that rain is really out of the ordinary on these trips. I didn't believe it was going to be this bad. It could be worse. Two Sundays ago, when we started up the river and looked up at Clingman's Tome and High Rock, it snowed. Then, Helen shows up. Hey, Helen. Uh, I'll give you a hug. Good to see you. Helen Vance is 90 years old, and she's the reason why we're all here, in the pouring rain, about to head out on a really big lake that sits right in the heart of the Great Smoky Mountains. How many do we have back there? Five? A few dozen people show up, get on board, and then we set out from a small cove into the middle of the lake. There are green mountains all around us, the clouds are low and wispy, and the water is nearly flat. It looks kinda like a Bob Ross painting. I wipe off a vinyl seat, and sit down next to Helen. 
So can you tell me a little bit about kind of where we are, like what's below us right here, what used to be below us right here? So it's a, a very busy little village down below us. And now it's under 30, 40 feet of water? Oh, under about what? 40. How deep is it? It's right at the beginning of the Fontana Dam, about 400 feet. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it hard to remember or visualize what it used to be like down there, or do you remember it plain as day? I can see it. It's, it all just brings back memories. I can see it in my vision, what it used to be. But everybody that comes in today just sees the wilderness. So it's quite different for them and for you than it is for me. Yeah. <laughs> After a 15-minute boat ride, we pull into another cove on the other side of the lake. And there, some national park rangers are waiting for us. Watch your step going down, please. Everybody very carefully gets off the boat. It's still raining, and the path that leads up the hill into the woods is muddy. Helen walks past me, and not long after, her son, David Vance, pulls me aside. But you were saying just she's modest? She doesn't... Oh, no. It's, she's just, she's really modest, yeah, it's like. Like, like how amazing is it what she did? <sighs> they would have been lost. Most of these cemeteries would have been lost. It would have ended up that nobody knew where they were. So the thing that we're going to, the thing that's at the top of this hill, is a cemetery. And the only way here is by boat. It's a place that few people can get to, the story of how it got this way, how it got to be such a remote place, it's the story of progress, a park, and promises, and about how one woman, for 40 years, kept hope alive and kept a sacred spot from being forgotten. From Our State Magazine, this is Away Message, a podcast about what you find in hard-to-find places. I'm Jeremy Markovich. So let's go back and talk about why there's even a lake here in the first place. In one of the great river valleys of America, something went wrong. During the Great Depression, the Tennessee Valley, which includes parts of western North Carolina, was hit especially hard. The descendants of the pioneers were a neglected people living in a ruined land. The mountainsides had been logged. That caused erosion and flooding. Destruction from the sky. Farmland had been ruined, and the federal government decided to step in. An act was passed creating the TVA, the Tennessee Valley Authority. The TVA then set out to build a series of dams for flood control to make power and to bring jobs. The walls of the new dam tower into the sky like mighty modern pyramids. Dams started rising up everywhere. Douglas, Guntersville, Cherokee. At one point during World War II, more than a dozen TVA dams were under construction at the same time, including Montana. At 480 feet tall, the biggest dam in the East. Built for and owned by the people of the United States. Of course, there's another side to the story. To many of the valley people, the plan was an intrusion. To Helen Vance, it was more than just an intrusion. I was about, uh, I guess about 15 when we found out for sure we was going to have to move. Helen grew up near a town called Proctor, North Carolina, near Hazel Creek. If you're standing at my house, you'd be seeing uh, fields, cornfields, 
uh, uh, cane fields, apple orchards, uh, barn, the crib, and you'd see the the uh, road where it came around in front of our house, old 288. Did you did you feel like when you were growing up out here that this was a remote area, like that you were isolated or in the middle of nowhere? Well, yes, in a way we did, in a, in a certain ways, yes, because, uh, but not to a certain extent either, because uh, everybody was having a struggle during the Depression. And everything felt normal to Helen. And then that when the World War II broke out, when TVA uh, came in right after that, on January the 2nd, 1942, they had bulldozers and things that were already rolling in Fontana at, uh, at the village, over at Fontana Village, to build the dam. So we knew for certain it was going to be happening then. I mean, we didn't, didn't have any doubts. <laughs> what did you think? It was a sad feeling at the time because uh, that's all the life we had known. Uh, and my father lived there all of his life. And so uh, it was really sad because we thought we were going to have to move. We didn't know where. In fact, some servicemen came back from the war. And at first... And they'd come back and have to ask where their family went to. And all the while, the water starts coming up. The entire TVA project will affect the lives of over six million people. The little towns in the valley, towns like Forney, Judson, Bushnell, and Fontana, disappeared under the surface of the water. Here's Helen's daughter, Lee Woods. It'd be like taking a county today and cutting in half and saying, we're going to flood this half, y'all go somewhere and find some place to live. That's what happened to Swain County. So Helen and her family all moved to Silva, about 30 miles to the east. You know, you're a teenager, you're moving to a new place. What's it like moving from kind of this, you know, very remote place to into town? Well, it, uh town back in the 40s even the small towns were much better much bigger than what we were used to we didn't have lights we moved to silo we did have electricity but the out with the miles out of town they didn't have lights so it wasn't a great big uh change for us it really wasn't we had a, a up-to-date high school we had an up-to-date uh, church and so the, as far as a big change it wasn't that much difference just being a different area after that life goes on Helen graduates high school, gets married, has a family, but she can't go back to the place where she grew up. It's underwater. And there's another issue. When the lake filled in, cemeteries in the flood zone were moved, but graveyards that were above the waterline were just left there. And the ones on the north side of the lake, they became part of another new thing. Atop the purple high country of North Carolina and Tennessee lies the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And while the park got, well, a lot of accolades... National parks are not built. God did that in the beginning. There was also an agreement in place. The federal government was supposed to build a new road on the North Shore, 30 miles through the park, from Bryson City all the way to Fontana Dam and into Tennessee. It was supposed to be called Highway 288. Today, it goes by a different name, the Road to Nowhere. It's called that because only the first seven miles of the road were ever built. It runs from Bryson City, then winds westward to a tunnel, and then it stops. So why didn't it keep going? Um, they Originally, they stopped in 1971 because they hit a particular kind of rock, and then there was controversy uh, over where to build it. And that controversy was never resolved. Now, that voice you heard is Karen Marcus, who knows a lot about local history. She says conservation groups opposed the road. Locals still wanted it built. 
but they wouldn't get their wish. In 2010, instead of finishing the road, the Park Service just settled with Swain County for $52 million. A lot of that money has yet to be paid out. So it's still a bit of a sore spot out here. With some people, yes. Some people want the road built, and I would still love to see the road built. I understand why it's not. So remember that tunnel we hiked through back in episode one? Hello. That is where the road ends, for good. And that means the only way to get to these cemeteries or to get to the north side of the lake is by boat. Right. Which means for more than 30 years, people like Helen Vance had no easy way to get to these cemeteries, to visit the graves of family and friends. And then, thanks to Helen, something changed. That part of the story, when we come back. Hey, again, it's Jeremy. And um, before we go on, I just wanted to stop and and tell you that uh, if you do not subscribe to Our State Magazine, uh, you should. Because it is the it is the engine that powers this podcast. It is the the great great magazine that represents all of the good stuff about North Carolina. Um, if you love podcasts, but you're like, you know, I really wish I could look at some pictures every once in a while. Uh, Our state magazine has some of the most gorgeous photography that you're ever going to see out of North Carolina, uh, even maybe even out of the country. I can, I, can, I can say that. So uh, it is a great thing to get. And if you want to get it now, you can get a year subscription by going to ourstate.com. If you go there and you you click on subscribe, you can get $5 off a year's subscription. It is fantastic by, by using the promo code AWAY. So again, go to ourstate.com, use the promo code AWAY and get $5 off a year's subscription. You will be glad you did it. And now back to the show. It's a quarter-mile walk up a hill in the rain and mud to get to a small cemetery on a hilltop that's surrounded by pine and oak trees and a little wire fence. Have you been here before? No. No, first time? Yeah. What do you think so far? It's really cool. It's just crazy that the people would have to come up this far to visit visit their family. Yeah. The people here run the gamut, from the elderly to the young. There are grandmothers and granddaughters. Um, so why did, why did you bring her up here today? Oh, so she could see where our relatives lived. Do you think you could live here? Probably not. Why not? I don't know. I feel like I'm away from society. Everybody has handfuls of colorful plastic and cloth flowers, pink, purple, and white. There are about 160 graves here, and each one gets a single flower. With one exception. This one's got a lot of flowers. Well, that's Samuel. That's the main man. That's all of our great, 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 great grandfather. Everybody, most people here, are just, oh, most cables here are descendants of, of Samuel Cable. Cables. Yeah. So he gets the most flowers. <laughs> you brought you brought the laundry basket full of flowers for for him. This is Cable Cemetery, one of 28 on the north shore of Fontana Lake, most of which are accessible only by boat. And this is the cemetery's decoration day. It's a long Southern tradition of honoring the dead by decorating their graves, singing gospel music, and sharing a meal with others who have come to do the same thing. What songs are we singing today? It looks like Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace. So, after the flowers have been placed, everyone gathers under a big canvas tarp to stay dry. We're doing page two. 
and to listen. Okay, start. You start. Somebody start. We shall see Jesus in the air, coming after you and me, joys are to share. After the songs, Helen gets up and makes an announcement. Forty years ago this month, we had our first decoration, organized decoration here since 1944. Forty years ago today, in 1978, we had our first one. And today marks our 40th one that we've been coming here. Forty years ago today, we came here as an organized group. I think we ought to give the ladies that started this a hand of applause. And then, a bagpiper starts playing. The last burial here was in 1944. Helen Vance, actually her full name is Helen Cable Vance, was here that year. And after the valley was flooded, she thought she'd never be able to come back. But in the late 1970s, she did. She got a boat and found a cemetery that was overgrown and in bad shape. So she asked the National Park Service if they would clean it up. They did. And then she worked out an agreement for the Park Service to bring people with ancestors buried in these cemeteries over by boat. They did that too. And now, every Sunday morning during the summer, descendants of the people buried in these cemeteries can get a ride over for free and visit the final resting places of their loved ones. The music ends, and then, in the middle of the woods, is this huge potluck lunch with food covering practically every inch of a 25-foot-long picnic okay. table. All right, if you'll give us just five minutes to get the food. There's a prayer. Thank uh, the Lord for us all being able to make it safe on this, on this rainy day. And, and everyone eats and talks and catches up. After I finish, I take one more stroll through the cemetery and start looking at the graves. 1895, 1917, 1892, died three years old, another child died, one year old. It seems like, I mean, just a lot of children back here. It just seems like a lot, a lot, of, a lot, a lot died of, during the 1918, and along through there was flus. And, oh, so just a lot of, lot of children died of the flu, and yes, just, just, just seems like it's harsh living up here. It was a hardship. It was a hardship, but yet, during that time, it was his heart ever worse. It's something I can't even imagine. And so, here in this place, I try, but I just see graves. Helen, she sees people. People she knew. I can remember so many funeral services here of people that we've come to uh, during my lifetime. And I was only 17 when we left, but I can remember so many of them. The, the long, one of the last ones, uh, that was just like it was yesterday. Oh. And then most everybody had moved out, and they had trouble getting enough people to dig the graves for them. How do you feel every time you come back here? Well, it's like coming home, in a way, to come back. And even in the pouring rain, she had to see it, for what may be the final time. This will probably be my last trip, because, and that's one reason I came to even though it was bad. Because I'm 90 years old, and I doubt if I'll ever get to come back here again. But how do you feel like leaving this place for maybe the last time? Well, it's kind of sad saying it might not be back, but, but I'm just thankful I'm going to come back. I'm really thankful for that. After a boat ride back to the south shore of Fontana Lake, we all get out, everybody says their goodbyes, and Helen and I go back to her car out of the rain. 
so you are you're 90 and you told me that this might be the last time you visit that cemetery this could be my last trip here because i am not in anything could happen in the next year or two because i'm not in the very best fields but i'm fairly good but i'm have problems and so it's just a, a every day is a a blessing but parts of, of of this trip you know this this experience do you do you enjoy the most i guess the thing i enjoyed most was uh relocating with people that we had not seen in 40, 35, 40 years, maybe 50 years, and also having them locate their graves. I had one lady come back and she asked me, she said, Helen, do you know where my son is buried? I said, I haven't been back to his grave since he died, since since he was buried. And just help people like that, That's that's been the, the really positive thing for me is to be able to help people. Are you are you are you like a, a positive person? You glass glass half full that sort of that sort of person? I am, yes. Yeah. I, I am more of a positive. You, you seem like it because you seem like all these things happened. You know, like the 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 TVA floods your valley and you have to move, and then the you know a road's supposed to be built and it doesn't happen, and you don't you don't you sound like you're accepting of it as opposed Accept, to angry, angry about it. <laughs> I am. I have to. I mean, that's life. You, you have to accept it as it comes. Thank you so much for listening, and a reminder, we'll be back really soon with a new episode of Away Message.